0: Good
1: evening. Today is Monday, March 28th. And we're studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's chapters um, are the relationship chapters 8, 9, and 10. And our speaker tonight is Amy L. Thank you, Amy.
0: Hi, everyone. Hi. (laughs) I'm Amy, the other Amy. Um, Grateful, recovered, compulsive eater, and exercise bulimic in California, and wow, it, it's um it's good to be here with all of you. I I must admit I am nervous, um, and uh, I I uh, was scheduled to speak on this chapter, the family afterwards, some months ago when when things were more smooth sailing in my family. And so, you know, something hard recently happened, but as a dear fellow said, it is weakness that binds us together and the common solution binds us together. So in that spirit, I will start. Um, This chapter, The Family Afterward, this part of, as Erin said, the relationship chapters. And uh, as I've heard it said, it is a continuation of what we learned in step 12, that we are not only transformed um, internally, but we have a responsibility to carry the message to our fellows and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And um, I looked up the principles, so I'm gonna list them. There are some slightly different versions, but they're beautiful, so I I thought I would say them. They are honesty, hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, humility, love, discipline, patience, awareness, and service. And um, I wanna start by saying, In spite of my intentions, in spite of my, all my my heart's yearning, I was not able to live by these principles. I was deeply dishonest. I was in fact a compulsive liar. I was riddled with fear. I think from as far back as I can remember, I, I certainly did not feel courageous. And I didn't feel I was living fully with any of the integrity, patience, awareness, and love that I wanted to to live in. And I have been a compulsive eater for for many, many years. I, I wanna say a little bit about my story so you can see myself maybe, you see yourself maybe in me, um, I've had different phases of this disease. Um, I was anorexic in my youth long, long ago. I consider myself a failed anorexic because I could, I could never sustain it. I mean, thank God, but I, I just, I had willpower, but um, it always petered up and I went back to the food. I also have a history of different kinds of bulimia, Um, I don't have a gag reflex, except when I'm pregnant, and as much as I, in my sickness, wanted to make myself throw up, I could only do that if I ran after binging, and I did some of that. I also abused laxatives. Um, My exercise bulimia has been a part of me for decades, but believe it or not, I did not own that until this last year. Um, And and that that blows my mind, but it's the truth. So um, I don't wanna get too much into the disease part, but suffice it to say, you know, I went to great means to to feed my disease and I was perilous. And I, you know, I starved myself, I fasted for three weeks, I I gave myself my first wrinkles on my breasts when I was 18, like permanent wrinkles, not stretch marks, wrinkles. Um, I did a lot to my body. And um, I just want to share like a little scene from when I was 17 and and. And then I'm gonna kind of move fast forward, but uh, my disease um, took hold of my life in a big way um, during puberty. I had been a thumb sucker before that. And I sucked my thumb when it was no longer socially acceptable, and then I discovered food. And when I was, by the time I was 16, I was chronically truant from school, I was really in a bad way. I was a really big isolator. And I um, actually, I was very unhappy at home. There was a lot of chaos and dysfunction. Many of us come from dysfunctional families. And I actually left home when I was 16 and I tried really, really hard. I tried really hard to to, uh, make a life for myself. And I was in my disease and I I just want to share a scene from when I was 17 and I was coming out of my anorexia and I had been gaining weight. Now, this body where I sit today, I have been um, about 60, 65 pounds more than this, what I weigh now. And I have been about 30, 35 pounds less. And you cannot tell by looking at my body how sick I am. I'll I'll say that. So at 17, I was coming out of my anorexia, the binging had returned, and I probably weighed a good 30 pounds less than I weigh now, but I could not accept myself. And so the story we all share, it's a disease of powerlessness. And I had my first understanding at 17 of Powerlessness over my thinking. So I had, I was living a double life. I had gotten a job taking care of children. They called it an au pair girl. I was taking care of three young children. I was going to dance classes. I could barely get up the stairs of the New York City subways. I could barely, you know, I was running on empty. And I started binging again. And I stopped going to my dance classes and I rode the subway all day and I rode the bus all day to pretend I was living that life and then picked up the kids and I I would go to libraries because libraries in New York, I could be anonymous. And back then there were a lot of libraries, but I couldn't get anyone to recognize me because that was too painful. I didn't feel I should be seen. I was so ashamed that I had put on weight. And mind you, I was in a much smaller body. Well, this day, I was sitting in the library and across the street, there was an exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art. And I sat there through the glass wall, the window, and I saw bodies all lined up. And I remember seeing, thinking these bodies, a lot of them are bigger than me. I saw families together. I saw children, I saw adults, but they were, not mostly thinner than me. And that feeling, that disconnect between what I saw, what my, my head told me, and what I felt inside was so vast. And I remember thinking, I desperately wanted to fly into that line and be in life. But I was in a prison. I was a prisoner of my thinking and i was powerless over my thinking and i say this because to me that is i mean it says in the big book the disease centers in the mind and you know one of my downfalls in program was thinking that when i lost weight i had it and i didn't have anything and i fell for that every time and so i came back you know i i kind of had my First surrender into total compulsive eating in my 40s when I had my second child. I did everything late in life. So, you know, I went to school and my I got my GD. I, I went to grad school. I, I did this all late in life. And I married and I had my children, and then I succumbed to compulsive eating. Surrendered. No hold barred. And I I gained more and more weight. I, was we- I weighed more than my six foot five husband and that did not stop me. And there was a wall. And so this, this chapter, the family afterward, it starts on page 122 and it says- That's 10 minutes Amy." Okay, thank you. Perhaps they created the impression that he is to be wrapped and he is me. I'm the alcoholic here, wrapped in cotton wool and placed on a pedestal. Successful readjustment means the opposite. All members of the family should meet upon the common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love. This involves a process of deflation. So, so you know, I came back twice in my 40s. Um, I, again, I lost my weight. I got high on my supply. I did a ton of service. I knew nothing, nothing about really what it meant to have a relationship with a higher power. I didn't know anything about doing 10 and 11. I knew a lot about doing 12. (laughs) Um, I knew nothing about 10 and 11. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand how deeply selfish I was. Because I didn't, I didn't, look like a typical selfish person and you know all my life I wanted a family of my own I thought if only I had someone who loved me and I wanted children and I didn't know if that would happen because I you know I was in my 40s but I did and in this family that I got to create in a sense I suffered and I suffered because of my selfishness and my family suffered with me. Why didn't I see this? Why didn't I see my selfishness and self-centeredness? And keep in mind, by then I was in the program. I, I, I didn't work the big book, but I worked the OA, the 12 and 12 in OA, the 12 and 12 workbook. I worked the steps, but it says driven by a hundred forms This is from How It Works, as you know. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. I, my selfishness looked often like martyrdom, martyrdom, being a martyr. And I would do everything for other people. And I would do everything for my kids and everything for my husband. And deep down, I resented it. I felt like the maid. I would have episodes of rage. And, you know, my kids would tell me, you know, we don't know. Are you going to be, you know, super sweet? or Are you going to be, you know, screaming? I screamed when my kids were young. Thank God when I came into program the second time, I stopped screaming. That's the one thing. But I was delusional. And I kept on thinking I could kind of get back what I lost. What I lost was in long, long ago, we never get to go back there. What I had to learn in this program, and it took me many, many relapses, I had to learn about my selfishness, and I had to learn to grow up. And for me, it was a painful <laughs> It was a painful circuitous route to that. And it says in the big book, it says, let families realize as they start their journey that they will not be fair weather. Each in his turn may be foot sore and may struggle. There will be alluring shortcuts and bypass down which they may wander and lose their way. And I did lose my way. And all I can say is I'm going to go to the next page. It says, we must grow. We grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. The alcoholics past thus becomes the principal asset of the family, and frequently is almost the only one. Cling to the thought that in God's hands, the dark past is the greatest possession you have. The key to life and happiness for others. With it, you can avert death and misery for them. I mean, that's powerful stuff. Can I believe that somehow, all the messes I made in life, and I made a lot of messes, that somehow they were not, were not, that somehow my God, and I, I, I believe God has been there. I, I know God saved me many times in my life. I believe God brought me to my family I have today. And I believe as God heals me, I believe God heals my mother and heals my grandmother. Why I believe this, I don't know. But maybe because I see incredible healing in my life. So I wanna say, and I don't have that much time, We alcoholics are sensitive people, it says in the family afterwards. It takes some of us a long time to outgrow that serious handicap. This is a handicap. This is not, I mean, yes, sensitivity, maybe we can empathize, maybe we are very insightful and perceptive, but in a relationship, in our families, out in the world, in the larger family, Our sensitivity is a handicap. It it causes us to be in the bondage of self. And I see this over and over, and I see it most with my husband. And I recently had an aha moment that I realized, oh, my God, not only am I sensitive with my husband, but I hold him responsible for helping me recover from that Sensitivity. I mean, I can laugh at it now because it's so crazy. I have made him my higher power. Whenever I look to somebody else to help me feel okay, tell me I'm okay, I am making them my higher power. And that hurts that person. That's a burden. And it hurts me because then I'm not going to my true anchor, my true compass my true higher power. So what God gives me today is I get to pause. I get to pause because I hear my voice go up in my family or I feel something. Now I can feel things. I feel my stomach. I feel my chest. That's the signal. I am in my self-centeredness. I am in the bondage of self. I pause and I open my hands and it's only a split second and I connect. And then all I have to do is pivot and make a U-turn. And my family, they know now I will say, I need to make a U-turn. And so something, are we up on five? It feels like I should be. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry you didn't hear me um on the Oh I didn't hear you. Sorry. Where am I?
2: You have two and a half minutes.
0: Okay, two and a half minutes. I'll make it quick. So something hard happened just a few weeks ago with my son. He's 17. I have an older daughter, but my son is still in school with um marijuana use. Bottom line, we feel he's in over his head and we had a serious talk and he's gonna do a program. But what I was able to say to him, and he was lying, 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 and I was able to say to him, look, you know, we're still your parents. We're going we're gonna to set boundaries, but I want you to know whatever you do in life, wherever you go, wherever life takes you, we love you no matter what. And I saw my son's eyes well up. And I want to say this because at the end of this chapter, it says, first things first, live and let live. Easy does it. First things first, we clean house. We clear away the wreckage. We unblock the channel. We get some relief from that prison of self. Live and let live. We have to stay in 10, 11, and 12. We have to constantly... Reconnect, pause, open our hands, pivot, make a U-turn. My son was annoying the heck out of me the other day. I was trying to help him. He, he, I was trying to help him with some, some, something in school. He got so frustrated. I felt that tension rise. I paused. I asked for help inside. I pivoted. I said, you know what? We could talk another time or we cannot talk. And I said, it's okay. And I left. Later on that day, my son, the towers above me, he came to me and he said, Mom, whoops. He said, Mom, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was very frustrated. And then he said this. He said, and I want you to know, no matter what happens, I love you very, very much and he put his arms around me, and that's God. That's God, how God shows up in me, and through me, and with us, and that's Mm. how God shows up with one another, through the love, so thank you. Thank you so much
1: for listening and being here. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for sharing with us tonight. That was really beautiful. Um, We will now open the meeting for questions or three minute shares, as this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapters and steps being studied this week. We ask you to accept accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine, if you're on the phone and the Zoom host will call the Raise Hands in order and ask each one when it's your turn. Um, Francesca, please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. Okay. Turn it over to Anne to call names. Daisy, you're up first. Hi everybody, I'm Daisy, I'm the Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for being here. Thank you, Amy, for that really lovely and heartwarming share. Sorry, I'm dropping my headphones everywhere. Um, But really, really nice to hear you. Uh, There was one thing in particular you said, and I won't get the exact wording right, but I think you were saying that, you know, you believe that as you heal, your mother and your grandmother heals also. And that really hit me. Um, I believe that too. And, um, you know, I, I, I look at my mom and, and she is spiritually sick. And I look at my grandmother who is no longer alive. She recently passed away, but she was spiritually sicker and I, I imagined my whole line of generations back and back has been like that. And there's just so much sickness that has been passed down generation to generation to generation. And I look at my life today and I am spiritually sick. You know, I am, I am in that line and I have like the most incredible opportunity by having this relationship with God and being with a higher power where I can Start to like untangle like karma, and I can put a stop to so much of what's been passed down by no nobody's fault. It's just you know, it's just in my lineage, or it's what I was born with, or whatever it is. But you know, every time I pause and take a different direction, you know, I do a ten step, I do a turnaround, whatever. That's that's me doing something differently and something that I'm not going to pass down to future generations. Um, and I just, I heard that so much in your share of just the way that you relate to your kids today. And, and, um, and yeah, I, I just, I really like personally, you know, in this choose your own conception meeting, I really like to kind of open my mind to a belief in something that's, that's beyond linear space and time and, um, can really heal outwards and infinitely. So thanks all.
2: Kristen,
3: you're up next. Hi, I'm Kristen, compulsive overeater. Um, I've missed you guys. I was away in the mountains, and um, so it's good to be back. I um, loved everything you said, and I was present for all of it. And I, but it was just with well, the feeling that I got was of this kind of bigness entering your life that life went from small to big with more and more in it and um i think that that for me is how it's going um you know i spent five nights and six days with uh, another human um, um, uh, um my boyfriend and i don't know that i have done that um ever (laughs) so um the healing that's come in this program is my ability to do that and it is my life and my feelings and my world getting bigger where it's not just Kristen seeing people here and there for a couple hours at a time and the ability to to be in that and express frustration and um you know state my needs, uh, and, and be understanding if they aren't getting met. None of that happens without, without this, without this program. We also have in my family, my mother is having to have her knee replacement surgery corrected. And, um, my brothers and I are having to kind of finally face the issues of mobility that her um, weight is going to cause and we're having to talk and navigate. Um, and that stuff is challenging as well. And I'm, you know, in the middle of my fourth step and everything is annoying the shit out of me. And so I just, it's just a lot going on, but your share reminds me and helps me see that, um, you know, it's important to set aside the time to, to work on my fourth step, because I don't get to that bigger life, to that bigger presence, to that healing unless I trudge through these steps. And so I really appreciate, um, your share so much and, uh, thanks everyone for listening. And I'm really glad to be back. I'll pass. Thanks,
2: Kristen. Emily, you're next.
4: Hi family. I'm, uh, Emily D compulsive overeater. Um, and my problem definitely centers in my mind. I feel like I'm at church, I mean, in an agnostic sense, like, okay, a a house of worship when uh, listening to this meeting. And, um, you know, the passages that you chose to mention um, were actually, I flipped open to the family afterward, and it was like exactly what I wanted to to kind of key in on. This is a program that is not the strong helping the weak. This is a program of like the weak helping the weaker. And I am um, just really grateful to witness and hear what I need to hear because, um, you know, I'm coming up on two years of abstinence and that is a miracle. (laughs) I mean, holy shit. And I am right now dealing with what I like to call the raw meat of what kept me in bondage of self. And I've been in bondage of self. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm someone who lives with a mental illness. And so, um, you know, I've been in a particularly difficult season with that. All that is to say, you know, is it an outside issue or isn't it (laughs) right? Like, um, my anxiety and has, has left me in sort of a, a sort of a catatonic state. It's brought me to my knees again, just like the day I was on my knees and took the hand that was given to me to let go of the food. And I am on my knees right now, you know, saying to God, like, whatever it takes, right? I'm powerless. I'm powerless. And see me in that and witness me in that. And it is remarkable to me that I was like, you know, sort of like so much in self, right? You meant this was so loud and clear in your share. Like, it's not to say I'm a bad person. It's not to say that I'm not worthy. It's not to say I fucked up or I need to do more. I need to hustle for love or whatever the case is. It's just how I'm wired. And that like rewiring doesn't just like start in my head, which is like my like my godfather, right? Like, I'm like the logic, the intellect, like, it has to come down to my heart. You know, I heard someone say in these rooms once, like, we can't hate ourselves into a version that we love, right? Like, I need love. I need love and love, like, the truest source. And you said this is my higher power, undeniably, all the time, every day. And I feel more connected to my higher power tonight than I have in a long time. So thank you so much for, for listening.
5: Thank you so much, Emily. Um, Sarah, you're up next. Amy. Oh, hi, Amy. I really loved your share so much. I'm Sarah. Um, I am a perfectionist. I want to be your higher power. I want to tell all of you what to do because I know best. And um, I just loved your sharing me so much because, oh, you have such kindness in dealing with the messiness of being, um, of being in our disease and the the U-turn. The heading, you know, self-will, I can do this, I got this, and we're running through, there's fire all around us, we're running through the tunnel of fire, and then stopping and being like, wait a minute, somebody else might know a better way to do this, and then taking the U-turn and realizing, like, I don't have to run through this wall of fire, there's like a whole off-ramp back there, if I just stopped and listened to my higher power, um, the universe would say, like, look behind you. And I have learned so much from you. And even though every single day I fuck up 25,000 times and I still yell at my kids and then have to apologize and yell at my husband and then have to apologize. And I'm so selfish. Like, I hear your voice in my head constantly, like, breathe, breathe. Be calm, be gentle with yourself, Sarah. And I'm like, okay, I hear you, Amy. Here I go. You turn, like keep going. And I'm just very grateful for you. And I'm so happy that I came to this meeting and I love you so much.
2: Should I share, guys? I think I might be next. All right, I'll jump in. Yeah, I, I did say you were up next. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Um, hey, it's Erin K in Michigan. Um, hi, everybody. So, uh, food has not felt neutral um, in a while for me, and uh, I don't really want to talk about that though. Um, I'm mad at it. I don't understand it. I'm doing everything I can to take contrary action to stay surrendered and just do the hard work of trusting and relying. And last night was was just really, really rough. And I just felt that old feeling, that old familiar feeling of restlessness, discontent, you know, just contempt for my life. Nothing brings me joy. And in that state, my brain tells me the only thing that will make you happy right now is a bite, something to eat, eat something. And then I talk back to it and I say, oh, that's, that's a lie, that's not true. And then it tries to tell me, well, we know it might not be the answer forever, but you know, if you don't eat, you're gonna feel this way forever. And that's the real big lie. And, um, that's terrifying, you know, and, and crazy stuff enters my brain, crazy stuff. And, um, I last night, you know, it was all I could do and, but instead of sitting in it, I decided I just got to tell somebody. And so I told my husband who's not an addict and not, you know, in program, but he was so there for me last night, like in the biggest way, he didn't try to fix anything. He listened. He said, you know, I feel kind of, you know, shitty too. Like it was kind of a crappy weekend. Um, let's watch a stupid movie. You know, it was just, it was exactly what I needed. And, um, I just think about this, you know, the family afterward. And I, I was on on with a friend and complaining about, you know, how I'm feeling lately. And she gently bitch slapped me back into gratitude and reminded me where my husband and I were in our marriage and our relationship before recovery and even early recovery when he didn't really understand this program stuff. Like he, you know, he was a little jealous of the time I was spending. He didn't get it. But just by continuing to, to, to stay surrendered, to do the hard work of trusting relying, showing up, recovering so that I could be there for him. He, he was so there for me last night and um, I'm so appreciative and grateful for uh, everything. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening and letting me share.
1: We're now going to um, stop the recording for unrecorded shares and questions. The Zoom host, please.